0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Harvey Atchur, a sexo And um, one day at a time, I've been sober about 37 years and about 11 and a half months. It's getting real close one day at a time another birthday. Um, Thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, This has not always been an easy journey. Uh, I tend to try to talk about and do things that you don't as easily get the usual way. And um, that's going to include today, where... We're going to talk not about the usual stuff about amends to other people but about how we as a fellowship with the traditions and as individuals begin to forgive ourselves. So I got to be very, very blunt at first. This is not an SA meeting. This is a workshop from Harvey's view of combining the steps of the tradition and seeing how it's coordinated. I say that because tradition eight. And nine can step on a lot of toes. That's it's about organization. So I want to just clarify, whatever comes up today is my opinion. I totally accept our sobriety definition. Mine happens to be stricter, but it I accept it. But we're going to bring all this in to the eighth, ninth step and the eighth and ninth tradition. By the way, we have a man who just had 25 years sobriety, <laughs> came on. We have a lot of sobriety in these rooms. Now, how do we even start making the concept of forgiveness, amends? First, we need to know the most painful part of it, that all our thoughts have been placed in there by other people. Very, very rough concept to see ourselves as we are. Robots that have been programmed to think in a certain way. And to begin that concept We're going to play a song. We have two songs today. We're going to play a song that was written in 1949 about being carefully taught. And Daniel, can you?
2: Play that for us. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made, and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you six or seven or eight to hate all the people your relatives hate you've got to be carefully taught you've got to be carefully taught
1: What a painful song. Written after the Second World War. It was banned in parts of America. Became one of the most famous Broadway shows ever written. And this is what we are dealing with today. Separation. How did we begin, step one and tradition one, with a concept of unity? Unity is the basis of our program. We either row the boat together or we end up sinking. Unity is the substance. What do I mean? Well, if a worm did not make a hole in the ground to aerate the roots of the trees, the trees couldn't grow, which produces leaves, which produce oxygen and food. So we are as connected to that worm as to anything else. But we are carefully taught. It's usually by age two or three that we are separate. The words before two and three we don't know the word mine, my, yours. This has been carefully taught, separation. And as you know, one of the main things I talk about is not the steps as much as the five paragraphs before the steps in chapter five in the AA book, where Sandy Beach says it beautifully, said it beautifully. This program is not about learning new things. It's about unlearning old things. And our book says we had to let go of old ideas. And what is the old idea? That I'm a creep. That I'm a sinner. That I'll go to hell for the thoughts and the behavior I've had. Those old ideas are so stamped in that there is no way to erase them. and that's why i keep emphasizing the first step if you don't get this as a illness a disease a brain something or other and you keep going back to what you were carefully taught there's only one way to handle it all then you have left when you don't When you don't accept the first step as a powerless step, all you have left is shame and guilt. And the only way to deal with the shame and guilt is to do it again. The fear, shame, guilt model does not work for an addict. it works for a lot of people a lot of people clean their act up <laughs> through their religions through their philosophies but an addict is different meaning i wish you luck if you if you get high blood pressure Praying it away. But if you're true hypertensive, you need medication every morning. And if you're in denial along with your family by being carefully taught that we're bad getting good, not sick getting well, then the whole cycle continues and the whole family gets affected. Very painful, I for I would imagine for our families. I could not get sober for my wife. I could not get sober for my children. I couldn't get sober for people I take a bullet for. To protect them, to save their lives, I take the bullet, but I could not get sober for them just like I could not get rid of the COVID I had a few weeks ago for them. Illnesses are illnesses. So let's show that first cartoon. Can you read what it says on the bottom or something? Why should I have to make amends? Isn't it enough that I suffer the guilt? (laughs) Okay. We rather be in shame and guilt than admit we're sick and we're not like normal men and women. So, the unity for me for these talks has been to see how the tradition eight and nine and the step eight and nine are connected as well as all the steps are connected. See, without step one, you're not going to get step eight or nine because you're going to keep. Fighting it rather than surrendering. You're going to fight the disease model. (laughs) I might as well be talking to that wall (laughs) than to try to convince you all that you are sick getting well, not bad getting good. And let me tell you, you keep doing it your way. I'm going to keep doing it my way. Because the relapse, the relapsing, the never getting sober in this program is phenomenally high. Because we can't erase how we've been carefully taught. And what are we taught? To hate ourselves. Now, how do I fit tradition eight and nine into all of this? It's telling us. How important and wonderful we are. How does it say that? (laughs) It says (laughs) we should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And then it says, AA is such ought never be organized. But we create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. They serve us. We don't serve them. We're so important that without us, there is no fellowship. but we have to be carefully taught that we're not important, especially with our history. So not only do we have to make amends to ourselves, but the fellowship needs amends to each other. To think we could be told what to do. No, these are all suggestions. No one can be kicked out of this thing. You could act inappropriate and maybe be asked to leave a meeting if you're acting inappropriate. But you could go down to the next street to another meeting. A.A. had a rough lesson on this one. When I first came in about 1983, and I've shared this before, the overeaters were coming to our A.A. meetings and taking over, talking about vomiting and purging and binging. And the general office sent out all this stuff saying what we could speak about and what we can't speak about. And the arguments and the screaming that went on in meetings, and after about a year, the meetings were exactly as they were <laughs> before they ever wrote. It's yes, these are suggestions. So, to what do we do for a minute? And we're going to play a song. But the song was so meaningful because of my sponsor. Whenever I'd say I'm sorry about something, my sponsor said, Never say you're sorry. Everyone already knows you're a sorry, son of a gun. You don't have to remind them, you're sorry. They already know you're sorry, son of my God. (laughs) He would say, you say, I was wrong, and ask your forgiveness. Is there something I could do to change? So we're going to play this song now about being sorry.
0: I won't
3: say I'm sorry over and over Can't just say I'm sorry I've got to show you I won't do it again I'll prove my love is true, I hope The last time I said sorry The last time I say sorry to you first time I slept on the couch was our first New Year's Eve I heard words come out my mouth that I still can't believe Broken hearts and shattered champagne We both don't wanna feel that again The second night Apologize? You said, "Boy, I don't know." I said it cause I meant it, but you still wouldn't let it go. So I swallow my pride, see it from your side. I promise I'll do the best I can do. I won't say I'm sorry over and over. Can't just say I'm sorry. Sorry to you oh, 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 To you oh, oh, oh. The last time I said sorry The last time I said sorry If I could build a perfect world I'd only make you smile I'd hang the stars, the sun and moon Outside this room, but i I'll never be perfect, though I'm gonna try oh, I'm gonna do better, I swear that I won't say I'm sorry Over and over, can't just say I'm sorry?
1: By the way, I get caught in all kinds of stuff. For the women in the group, you might wonder why Harvey only plays male singers, but we have many men in the group who for religious reasons don't listen to women's singing voices. We have other people who can't see women. We have trouble seeing men. I can't see women or men. So I've just had to learn what had to hide my eyes and do. And I was proud of you all. You took care. Videos are difficult at times, it just is. But what they said, And this crap about full disclosures. Saying I'm sorry. When first of all, people aren't even sober yet. They're saying they're sorry. In quotes. Doing an eighth and ninth when they're still fantasizing every evening and day, when their endorphins are wild. Now, we don't get into the therapeutics. Therapists, you go, you pay money, you do what they do, but we do do what the book says. It says, do not share too much too early. And over and over, in the essay book it says it, in the AA book it says it, it says it a few times, I think, in the AA book, especially when it can harm people. We get it off our chest with our support group, and they're stuck with it, but we're not ready to stop. And in the song where he says, just do it. Forget the sorry stuff. Do it. Do what? For the next 24 hours not to act out or in. I live in a retirement center. They make fun of me. They say, if you didn't have your hands, how would you communicate? I'm knocking on my desk and it keeps cutting the computer off. (laughs) So, what are we saying? I'm sorry. Who do we make the first amend to? Ourselves for refusing to accept the disease model. God, I'm powerless. I'd make an amend, ask your forgiveness for refusing to accept that you brought me to a program based on the medical disease model and I keep refusing to hear it. You've got to be carefully taught. What I've learned is there is no way I could teach this to you. Only you could make that surrender. It does not mean throwing away the baby with the bathwater. You don't have to let go of many of the ideas you've been taught. But there is one idea that you and I are like normal people. No, we're addicts. Our brain, normal people can do certain things we cannot do successfully. And the religious model of fear of being punished for what we've done Let me tell you, fear is our second biggest drug. And it just rekindles the brain sites. So you have lust, fear, and resentment. And what usually happens, you get into the fear that you're going to be punished. And then the next step you automatically go into resentment, especially about God. You get angry at God. You know that that wonderful story of the a hurricane was coming. And people going down the streets with the loudspeakers. Get out of the neighborhood, get out of the neighborhood. And the guy said, "No, God will help." So the water start rising, and they come with a rowboat. And he says, "No, God will help. Don't worry about it. I pray God will help." The water start coming up higher. He's on the second floor. They send a bigger boat. He said, "Don't worry about me. I pray." God will help. It gets to the roof. He goes on top of the roof. They send a helicopter for him. He said, no, God will help. Well, he drowns. And he goes up to heaven. And they're opening the gate. And he's furious. I'm so angry. I had such faith that God would help. And then there was a voice, and the voice said, what do you mean? I sent you a rowboat, a bigger boat. I sent you a helicopter. I sent you the help. But we couldn't see it. As we go back to what's comfortable, and what's comfortable So let's do it all together. I've done it with many of you before. Fold your hands like you usually do when you automatically fold your hands. Okay? Look where they are. Okay? Come on, a few of you aren't doing it. I'm spying. Okay. Look where your hands are. Now do it in the opposite direction. It feels awful. You can't wait to get back to your other way. It feels awful. That's what we're doing here. We're pulling away your comfort zone, but you know what? If you do it in reverse long enough, the other way gets uncomfortable. So now I recoil from it like a hot flame the old way. The thoughts don't come. I'll have those thoughts till the day I die. But I recoil from them like a hot flame. So our amends to ourselves is from a vision for you. Love thy neighbor as thyself. How do we love us? By forgiving us. Most of us have had this since we were children before we even knew what sex was. So, and as an essay, as a fellowship, as a holy the amend is for people to work hard like they do on boards, on other things, but realize we're powerless. this yes, it gets dangerous. You get into certain positions and you think you have control over other people. I was sharing with someone the other day, I don't know, maybe it's changed now, but there's a special question they ask you if you could be on the board or not. My enjoyment of those questions are do they ever ask you before you become a board member? How many times a day do you sexually fantasize? Do they ever ask how when was the last time you were looking at lingerie in a newspaper? Or pornography, maybe they do ask that. If you're going to ask one question, also ask other questions. And the person I shared with was kind of surprised when I shared with him some of the experiences that we've had with people on the boards we're all a bunch of recovering drunks and what happens and what interferes with unity is since SA is not as large as it could be people don't get the opportunity like we had at Nashville where we had, let's say, in just a small area, three meetings a day, and some of those meetings had to break into three meetings. You don't know what the heck they're saying or doing in the third meeting. How do I know that? Because I had to control every meeting when we started. I'd have to go, there with one meeting, and then two, and then three, and then four, had to go seven times a week to make sure everything was a okay done by the book. Then they started to have two meetings a day. And I tried getting to those to shape them up. And eventually, the meetings got so large that they'd be in two or three sections, And I finally said, God, I got the message. And then I knew who was running this show. A power greater than ourselves. Now, on your own, you could study the men's and what to say and what you don't say and how to say it and who to do it with. But my emphasis today has been on truly taking the first step. Truly taking the first step. And realizing that just like some people are short and some people are tall and some people have one addiction, some people have other addictions, that we did not make us be this way. So the problem for us is not why did the donkey get in the ditch, but how to get the donkey out. And the truest amend you could make, in my opinion, for yourselves, to yourselves is stop having sexual fantasies. They're poison for us. We are allergic to the unreal. We're so allergic to the unreal that it becomes so real in our head that we start acting out and getting into trouble. Because the brain can't differentiate real from non-real. Otherwise, I couldn't talk to you. My brain is saying you are there. You're not there. <coughs> your digits, your little digital specs that look like you. People meet me, they can't imagine how short I am. (laughs) In my their head, I was someone different. I cannot stop the first thought. Here's my rubber band. But I, do, I have the tools today from the essay book, from the AA book, from you all to block that first photograph to turn it into a moving picture, a cinema, which then produces the endorphins, which get us on the circle once again. This program is more than just not acting out masturbation with self or others. It's about what goes on between our ears. And how to take tools quickly. And there were people who were doing it. The video was a little tough for some people. They turned their head. The program's that simple. So, we're going to talk for, uh, ask questions for the next 18 minutes, then close, and then have about 25 minutes more for those who are staying up late or aren't living way across the other side of the big ocean. Any questions?
4: Thanks, Harvey. Um, so, yeah, so go ahead and raise your hand uh, in the app, or uh, if you don't want to be on the recording, you can send me the message privately and I'll ask Harvey the question. Um, go ahead, Gene.
0: Oh, thank you. Harvey, uh, I-, I love you. I love your share today. And uh, would you please tell me, have you ever thought of a different phrase to use? Beside the term medical model, uh, I, I like it. It's okay for me, a science kind of person. But uh, I, I think some others might be better to communicate. What would the term, you like, Gene? The term model.
5: What uh, would you like?
0: A medical reality. Okay. Something, I, I don't know. But I, I just encourage you to maybe think about that with me.
1: I usually use the term disease model. That's a term I usually use. Um, I use that one because to get the first step without reading the doctor's opinion that comes first in the AA book is difficult the concept of why we don't have willpower. And the doctor's opinion says we have a physical allergy accompanied by a mental obsession. And so it's based on I'm not well, and I need a lot of medication. I need a lot of medication to stay comfortable. I go to a lot of meetings, sponsor a lot of people, and so I don't actively lust. Well, let me stop taking my medication. It will start creeping back in again. How do I know? How could I be so sure? I watch you all. People keep trying to control and enjoy sexual thoughts. I wish you well. I haven't seen where it's successful. It eventually bites you on the backside. And if you don't act out, you get so crazy anyway. <laughs> It's such an important concept because the first step doesn't mention God. It merely mentions powerless. Because they're trying to explain to us why willpower doesn't work. Because we do have willpower, or we wouldn't be here on this meeting. So I give an example. If you're taking a long road trip, and you eat on the road, and you eat a bad food, and you get a stomach problem, and you're driving down the road, you know you have diarrhea. You're driving down the road and it says two miles to a rest stop. You could use willpower to squeeze and not do it in your pants. But if it says 50 miles to the next rest stop, no way will your willpower prevent you from having an accident. Because it's a physiological issue. That's why we talk about one day at a time. We cannot do this forever. But for the next 24 hours. And in AA, they say you could handle attack in the bottom of your shoe if you know it's just there for 24 hours. If you thought it was there forever, it would drive you nuts. Now, it's also a problem in essay. The book starts with the addiction model, the beginning of the essay book. It talks about withdrawal and tolerance. It's the classic addiction model. But as the book goes on, it tends to get much more religious. And we cater to people who already come in tremendously steeped in their being carefully taught. You sit at an AA meeting versus an SA meeting. It's like being in from Mars to Venus. The language and the laughter and the (laughs) stuff that comes out. (laughs) Not essay. Very little laughter. Very strict. And has it worked? I wish it luck. If it works, great. We're not the... The, the only thing that works in the world. Matter of fact, there are lots of different S fellowships. By the way, that gets confusing too to make amends to yourself. Many of you are love addicts. And you keep coming for sexual addiction when you can't let go of your love addictions. And S.A. doesn't concentrate on love addictions. I wish it did more. Roy talks about the relationships and the dependency. But I see it in the men all the time. They sober up, but they're still totally addicted to their wives. What does my wife think? What will she say? Is she smiling? Is she not smiling? Is she upset at me? Still the heterosexual addiction. Man to gal. Will I get sex tonight? Won't I? Did I upset her? What do we talk about in this program? Pornography, masturbation, prostitution. You hear very little about how people stay drunk in their marital bed. We're not allergic to sex, but we're allergic to lust. And lust can creep into your marital bed just like it can reading a newspaper or listening to the news. Who do we kid? That's part of the amends, to stop fooling ourselves. Stop saying I'm sorry, but change for today. And that's where I want to end the word amend. Amend does not mean I'm sorry. When you amend the Constitution, you change it. We change our behavior for today. And behavior also includes what goes on between my ears. And Roy, over and over again, uses two terms separately, usually one right after another. Lust and sexually acting out, two totally different things. But the sexually acting out usually always comes from the lust, from the sexual thoughts, which we're powerless over. So without tools, without medication, You just repeat the cycle over and over again. People confuse, and it's not your fault, it's how it's written, the word lust in our program with religious lust. As you look more and more into this, you'll see it's the sexual thoughts. Or the semi sexual thoughts. Next question.
4: Uh, go ahead, Dolph.
5: Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks a lot, Harvey. Um, I, I had to suffer some of the consequences of my acting out, but a lot of the consequences of my acting out, I didn't, I see other people seem to suffer a lot more consequences. I, I got away with a lot, so to speak. Um, and I got into a conversation with someone today and I'm wondering what you think about this. It seems to me that my disease, you talked about the disease model, it seems to me that my disease, has rel it's relevant to punishment for my um that my wife or society maybe or whoever might uh might do you know to me might want to give to me for my behavior but not to my consequences but not to the consequences of my behavior there are some consequences like not being trusted that's something that's just a reality whether it's a disease or not, you know that that's not relevant to to the natural consequences, but to things like punishments, it is relevant to that. Could you talk about that, or what your feelings on that are? Thanks.
1: Um, I had to be carefully taught. I'm a good example. When I didn't eat my food, my mother would say, God will punish you for leaving food on your plate. When she beat me up and I tried to hold her legs so she couldn't kick me anymore, she'd say, God's going to punish you for being so disrespectful to me. I was carefully taught. Now, this happens, this, I'm very familiar with this, this, I have spawned seeds from around the world, every religion you could imagine. This is not about any particular religion. It's about being carefully taught. We're taught there are two basic gods. One is called Santa Claus. We petition him. We ask him what we want for Christmas, for those of you who celebrate Christmas. And then he keeps a list to see if you're naughty or nice. And if you're nice, you get the gift. If you don't, you don't. And then you get upset at Santa Claus. The other one is this tyrant who sits on this big throne watching you even pick your nose so he could punish your children. In our program, we have been given a different name in our tradition saying a loving God. Now, for those of you who are interested in language, if you look up the derivation of the English word Lord, L-O-R-D, it comes from a very special word that means the merciful, all loving God compassionate God, but over thousands of years, from one language to another, what from Hebrew, to Greek, to Latin, to English, we get a word Lord. I was carefully taught. And a lot of this I, I share with God. God, I can't go back the old way. It doesn't work for me, God. That he's going to kill my children in car accidents for my behavior. It didn't stop my behavior of being frightened of the consequences. It only made it worse when I found this God who watched me do every low-life thing I did. There's probably nothing you've done that I haven't done twice. Maybe a few exceptions. He watched me do every one of them and loved me so much he brought me to AANSA. What more do I want? You talk about grace. What more do I want? I'll tell you what most of you all want. You want to disconnect from the responsibility to take your medicine every day. You want God to do it for you. We'd look for an easier way out. It doesn't work. You've heard me say this, this famous uh, wise person in the Middle Ages, and he was growing some plants, and they said, oh, he he was a monk somewhere. Oh, isn't God wonderful how he, he makes these things grow? And the the guy says to him, what do you mean, God? If I don't till the soil and water the plant every day, God germinates the seed. But I sure have to work on it every day. And I know because I have a big garden here in Florida. And I have to water these plants almost every day and trim them and do things. I can't expect God to do it for me. My God did for me what I needed. He brought me to the disease model, the allergy model. He brought me to you all and to the steps. And here I am, one day at a time. Okay, let's close. And those who want to stay longer, I'll be here another 25 minutes. Usually I could stay till four, but something else uh, happened.
4: You want me to make a prayer? Yes, please. The serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. You will not mind be done. Okay, so we have a few questions, a few hands up, and a couple of questions in the chat. Go ahead, John D. John H. Sorry, you're still muted, John. You I go. muted and then it muted back. Anyway, oh, okay. Anyway, thanks for all you're doing, Harvey. Um, definitely made me think. I've been thinking since the third week about the membership requirement. and Do I really have a desire to stop lusting? I'm still open to that debate, but um, today I was wondering, in making amends, I've never really asked for somebody's forgiveness because I don't want to put an obligation on them for something they're not ready to do. Because um, I realized I've just barely started making amends and They definitely might not be ready to forgive me at that point. Um, Is that an okay way to think of it, or am I missing something?
1: um, One of my best amends that changed my life was to my wife when I said, will you forgive me? And she said no. And she walked out of the room. I was sober about a year And she walked out of the room, and I had one of my first massive spiritual awakenings. I wept from joy. (laughs) It's happening again. I was free. Amends aren't about the other person. Amends are for me, not for them. A few years later, we were at a retreat, a Hazelden or something retreat, and we're driving. And my wife said to me, you never made an amend for such and such. And I had the few years before (laughs) the same thing. She wasn't ready to hear it. And I did it again, and she was fine. But even if she isn't fine, it took me going blind on one eye. I was sober about 25 years, <clears throat> and suddenly I had a retinal detachment, surgeries. It took me going blind in one eye to realize how my, much my wife loved me. She took such good care of me during all these surgeries and everything, right out of amazing grace. I was b- blind and couldn't see. So amends are not for the other person. Some of my amends I've had to do anonymously. I used to steal, cheat, lie, lie embarrass people with arguing with them in public. But I got the freedom. This program is inundated with codependency. I hate using that word, but I don't know any other word. And this is what I used to say at the Nashville meetings. I'd say... How come when you're acting out, your wife could stand on her head, she could scream and yell, and you won't stop acting out? You sober up, and you shiver and shake from every word your wife says. You get sober, you shiver and shake. When you're out there, you didn't give a crap. Why is that? It's part of the addictive process that Roy talks about in a lot of his writings, that dependency needs. And the AA book talks about we're either independent or very dependent. Now, this program, I hate to tell you, it's not about sex or lust, it's about comfort. If you don't get comfortable, you must default back to your old ways. So what we're talking about isn't her comfort, it's your comfort. And how do you get comfortable? You get sober, you listen to your sponsor, you surrender one day at a time, and somehow this stuff takes care of itself. And if you ask me how it works, I don't know how it works. It just works. John, did I run around the answer or did I get a little close?
4: Sorry, I was having connection issues, but let's hope that we did. Um, SD, you want to ask a question?
6: Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm SD. I'm a sexaholic. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for all the service you do. Um, I really struggle to hold like the two ideas of step one and step eight at one time. So I work really hard on my step one and came to a place by I can't
1: understand me. you. I'm sorry. I can't hear what you're saying well.
6: Can I be heard now?
1: Yeah, speak yes. slowly.
6: Okay. Um, sorry about that. So I really struggle to hold the two ideas of step one and step eight at once. Um, so I came to a place of having a strong step one and really believing that I'm powerless and I can be hurt. Can I be heard or not?
1: Not as well. I heard you struggle about powerlessness.
6: I'm going to try again. <laughs> um, so like holding the idea of step one and step eight together, like coming to a real strong step one and knowing the powerlessness and that I'm a sick person, but then coming to step eight and trying to do living amends in my marriage. And my husband is really traumatized and he's going through a lot of PTSD because of my actions and having to understand that part of what I'm going through in this marriage right now is a, it's just a consequence of whatever happened, whatever I did. So, and then I constantly, I don't know how to how to hold that, and then hold also the fact that I'm that I'm not a bad person, but this is a truth, and this is a truth. I'm just so conflicted and torn between between these two truths.
1: Chances are he might not be a sex addict, so he'll never understand you. So you just, without on, an It's going to be hard for him to understand that. We sex addicts have a tough enough time (laughs) understanding each other. And we expect a non-sex addict. Very difficult. But Essanon helps these people, or Al-Anon. But but our spouses, even if they don't go, because Roy, our founder, His wife was never that involved with us none. She's occasionally shown. But she had her own spiritual program. What more do we want from our spouses that they find out about us and we're still there with them? It's always our ego self I want what I want what I wanted. I don't only want sobriety I want people to accept me for in my terms. That's where the struggle is. And whenever you struggle you lose. Because the answer to struggle is surrender. So I'll tell this story again. You've heard me say it many times. I had a sponsee with 7 years sobriety, and his wife kept doubting he was sober. How do I know you're really sober? How do I know? This went on for years and years. One day, he calls me same stuff. I walked up to my wife probably sober 20 years at the time. I said to her, Nancy, how do you know I'm really sober? How do you know? She shocked me. She said, I see you hit your knees twice a day. I see you rushing off to meetings and I eavesdrop on your conversations with their sponsors. <laughs> Go figure it out. But how does she really know? I'm not doing things to her like I used to do. I'm not getting rageful when I don't get what I want, especially if it has to do with sex. I'm changing. I once read a book. I don't know how true this is, but it was by a reputable author. He said, our spouses get sicker later than we do, but they're about six months behind us in recovery. So if you want to know where your husband is now, think where you were six months ago. That will help your expectations. The big book talks about it. The more expectations, the less Harvey, she was, business, And I want to add this, because people don't like when I say it. My job is not to convince my wife I'm well. My job is to keep convincing her I'm sick, still sick. How can I explain the type of life we have if I'm so well? I pick up calls all the time. I don't watch certain TV shows that she wants to watch. The other day I said, no, I can't watch that. She couldn't even understand it. So my job isn't to convince her I'm cured. It's to let her know just like my high blood pressure. I'm gonna be on blood pressure medicine probably till I die. If she didn't think I was sick, then every part of my day could be interpreted as a rejection of her. There's a lot of times my program comes before her. Just like if I had diabetes. As much as I love my wife, I need to take my insulin first thing in the morning. By the way, I say this day after day after day. Very few people accept what I'm saying. But it's working for me. <laughs> One day at a time. It works for me.
4: So how the I- Yes, at, the core, at, the, at the core of her question, she was asking how to balance powerlessness with of step one with responsibility in step eight and nine.
1: There is no balance. Today you are responsible for taking your medication. Today you have been told and shown about being responsible for your recovery. You're not responsible for having diabetes, if you had it, but you're responsible for keeping your feet clean, your hands clean, and giving yourself your insulin every day. The disease model helps us take responsibility for our recovery. But no, you're going to hear something different. Here, every meeting, almost everyone says, oh, I'm sober from the grace of God. I'm sober from the grace of God. Takes total responsibility off of them. God's grace, he brought me to the program. But man, do I need to take my medication? Someone on the meeting here sent me a beautiful gift yesterday for if I'm making one day at a time and I don't die for my 38 years. The poor guy, I must have talked his ear off about recovery. Every minute of my day. Essay. It's not part of my life, it is my life. Without it, I can't have wife or family or religion or God. I could think I have it, but if I'm drunk, I can't have anything, I've proven it. Next question, please.
4: Okay, uh, so we have a few questions in the chat. Um, one of them was around what you were talking about before, which is the the a, a lot of what SA doesn't deal with, but that so many of us deal with, which is the dependency and love addiction that comes out afterwards. And the question was around how to put the plug in that drug.
1: Yes, um, many of my sponsors need SA but I also have them read the first few chapters of the SLAA book. It, it really describes love addiction. And sometimes I even tell them, this, yes, I go to two types of meetings. I go to AA and SA. I tell them to go for their love issues, love addictions, Try some meetings out, but keep coming to SA and staying sober. Because if you're not sober, you're not going to hear anything in any meeting. See, this isn't a religion. My sponsor once said to me years ago Harvey, when you get more comfortable with your religion, you won't be so afraid of other people's religion. This is what happens. We get afraid of other types of things, whatever helps people. Because even though I say all this other stuff, The ultimate authority is a power greater than ourselves. That By the time we do the 12th step, hopefully, that we connect to this power that was always there. This guy in A.H. would get so upset when someone would say, oh, I'm finding God. He'd say, I never knew he was lost. All this programming, we get in. You have to be carefully taught. Uh, one more question, please. Um, so I'm going to ask
4: this the last question. I think you really um, created a, you, you built a beautiful foundation of, the amends to myself being the beginning of uh, taking the first step and uh, truly taking the first step being the beginnings of the amends to myself, the true amends to myself. Uh, and I find myself often speaking to sponsors and saying self-care, look, self-care. How, how does amends to oneself look once we've taken that first step?
1: Okay. First of all, expectation." How can we expect other people to forgive us if we haven't accepted that we're sick and have forgiven ourselves? We just expect from other people what we won't do for ourselves. So I never have to get defensive and try to prove my point. Because I know for me it's a disease, an illness. I had it by the time I was two or three years old. How it manifested had external issues to it. But I was a sitting duck for it. Now, self-care. Jess, especially, was very much into my getting hobbies. Um... I do an hour of meditation almost every day. It's taken me decades to get there. But my brain today said, you have all these talks and another meeting, you can't do your meditation, and this thing awakened. Harvard, you could do a half hour. <laughs> you don't have to do the hour. That was part of my self-care. Getting out of you have to be carefully taught. <laughs> you say an hour, you better do an hour. I I do yoga four or five times a week. I go to a yoga st- studio. I listen to opera. I love opera. Where do I get to my most self-care? My wife and I watch Korean K-dramas. Ha, <laughs> ha. Soap operas, what can I tell you? We get through watching them, they're, they're quite clean. <laughs> so we get through and I say to Nancy, I think we reached another bottom. <laughs> Did we really watch this 16 series? And I love it and I cry. And what am I doing? I'm learning Korean. At 82, I started learning another language. I'm having so much fun, I'm dyslexic, and I'm learning another language. But my disease says, but you should be learning another language related to your religion. See, that ego's always trying to make me uncomfortable. Always telling me I'm doing it wrong. And today, I know it's my ego, not God, talking to me. My higher power talks to this, not to this. OK, you you all have been such a group. You know, you hang in there. It's late for many of you. And uh, it's been a joy, really been a joy. We'll have next week will be the 10th step, and then we'll do the 11th, and then we'll conclude with the 12th, Traditions and Steps Bye everyone.